everyone, and welcome to the Child of a Library podcast, where we discover the words on our shelves and in our hearts. In Germany, we say that we have officially and fully entered the dark season once this podcast episode comes out. And that is quite literal because it really had an impact how dark and how light it is because my two guests that I currently have on the podcast, when it came to scheduling our time for today, there were slight mishaps. Because we are actually today not only speaking from two time zones, but even three. But you will find out more on that in a second. I'm super, super happy to talk with two guests about today's topic because it is one that has... Yeah, definitely the potential to unite fans across the entire globe. So today we are going to talk about Twilight, which is definitely a topic that we all enjoyed growing up. Sometimes more positive, sometimes maybe a little controversial, but we will talk about that in depth in today's episode. And for that, I have surrounded myself with experts in the field. We have Jordan from the Books to Last podcast, who we know and love over here on Child of a Library. And we also have Ruby from the US, because if you talk about Twilight, you can't go without an American opinion on the phenomenon. So I'm very, very happy to have both of them on. And let's say hi. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Experts is a uh, really shy. I'm gonna put I was that thinking, on my resume. Yeah, a Twilight <laughs> expert. That's definitely going on the on the on the CV. Yeah, I um, God, I I have not thought about Twilight in a re well I, more recently than I probably would have if I hadn't have met Ruby because uh, she definitely reintroduced it into my life. But um, yeah, when you were uh, messaged uh, Marika and was like, oh, I want to do a Twilight episode, I thought that could be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, so I'm so excited. This I'm, you know, I am, I'm unshamed by how much I love Twilight. You know, <laughs> just the impact it had with, you know, me growing up, which we'll talk about more. But it, you know, you're welcome, Jordan. <laughs> you're welcome for bringing it back. <laughs> I'm sorry, and you're welcome. <laughs> Yeah, so in the run-up to this episode, we actually created a WhatsApp group called International Committee of Twilight to sort of set the scene. And we really needed to hold back in order to not already discuss everything on there. So I'm very, very happy that we are now finally doing this. And I think a good starting point would be to talk about like who or how we got introduced to the Twilight series, because I think it's probably going to be very different across our or three opinions. Maybe Ruby, do you want to start us off? <laughs> yeah. So I I had to like go back into my memory and was like, okay, how was I how was I introduced? And I'm pretty sure it was because of the Twilight movie coming out. Because I read it in the summer. It was I think it was 2009 because I had to go back because I was going into high school. But I remember being at a laundromat with my mom and like reading one of the books. And so I'm pretty sure it was because the movie was coming out. So like the first trailer came out or something and I was like, what is this? And then went and got and just like read all of the books because I'm, I think all of them, because I was going back to see like when all of the books came out and I'm pretty sure like they were already all out by the time I was reading Twilight. So I was lucky enough to like go get the next one and the next one and the next one. <laughs> No waiting for uh, release dates. No, thank goodness. <laughs> 
That's perfect. I'm such a big binger of book series that I really, really enjoy it when you have the opportunity to just go through the entire thing, maybe wait for the last book or so. But yeah, that's definitely good. I, I can I can feel that. How about you, Jordan? How did it all start for you? So I was thinking, yeah, also thinking about this. And I actually came to a little bit later because I'm pretty sure I came across Twilight when the um, Eclipse movie came out. So wow. they were sort of three <laughs> movies in, but um, my introduction was my mum has got really, we'll say interesting taste in films. Like she, <laughs> she's not a snob <laughs> when it comes to films by any stretch of the imagination, we'll say that. Um, and she bought this um, special edition metal tin of all three of the first movies where so when eclipse came out she bought this it was like metal and it was kind of holographic and it had um bella and jacob and edward on the front and you opened it up and it had all three of the movies in it and she watched them and she really really liked them and i remember i think i was having a sleepover with some girls from my school or i, I feel like there was a few of us i seem to remember being sat on like a duvet on the floor in a living room watching it on a on a tv in a very dark room like you when you're trying to make it feel like the cinema but it's not really the cinema um and uh yeah we watched all of them and i remember just sort of it always happens like this like i'm i when i get really sort of obsessed with something especially when i was younger i kind of start from a place of i'm not really sure if i like it i'll sort of watch it the first time and i'll be like interesting you've caught my attention and then I'll watch it about 10 more times and by the end of it I'm usually obsessed um <laughs> so yeah we watched all three of them and I got to the end and eventually I was like I need to know what happens next and I didn't know they were based on books until the Scholastic Book Fair um oh, shout out to the Scholastic <laughs> Book Fair <laughs> the Scholastic Book Fair had a set of all four of the books um, on there. And this was back at a time when my family, they're not big readers. So they didn't really buy me a lot of books because books were more expensive than they thought they would be <laughs> almost all the time. Um, and I managed to convince my nan to buy me. And I don't think she knew the content of book these books at all. Um, I managed to convince my nan to buy me the box set of all of them because I was like, oh, Twilight, that's a thing I just watched. And um, instead of being a very good uh, book reader, like I should have been, I immediately skipped the first three books and read the last one. <gasps> oh, <laughs> you did not. So I'd watched all three of the movies and I was like, oh, well, I just want to know what happens next. So I read oh. Breaking Dawn by itself. And I remember I didn't read any of the other films because I got to the end of Breaking Dawn and I was so confused because I was like, this doesn't make sense with anything in the film. Because they change the characters so much I was like oh I don't really get it basically I got to the end I was like I feel like I'm missing something because this last book doesn't match with the first three films that I just watched and then I kind of went away from it for ages and this would have been about 2010 2011 so the beginning of secondary school um so it would have been my first scholastic book fair at secondary school and then a few years later, after I got really into reading, I sort of, I'd gone through all the Percy Jacksons and I'd gone through Harry Potter and I'd gone through a bunch of other book series and I was in a real series phase. I was like, oh, I, and I still owned the same Twilight set. They'd been on my shelf this whole time. And I saw, oh, I, you know, I'll read it from the beginning. And I read it from the beginning and it made so much more sense that time. Um, but yeah, so I, I was sort of 11 or 12 years old when I sort of 
red breaking dawn and then i was probably about 13 uh, when i eventually read the proper the series proper but um yeah <laughs> i was probably a bit too young when it all came out originally <laughs> yeah that's definitely something that i see now i mean i knew that i was the oldest here so just to say that for the podcast i'm turning 30 next january <laughs> but yeah it, it seems that i am the person who read twilight technically first and the way how i got introduced to it is very funny actually because we were on a ski trip and it was a ski trip that my family did with two befriended families and my best friend was one of the children in that family and we for the first time in 2007 or six or something like that so back when the first German book came out, because back then I still read it in German, we actually roomed together for those two weeks that we were together on the ski trip. We had our own room and we were both reading back in the time. But I remember that the book that I had back then wasn't that catchy. So I was always like side eyeing her being super invested in her book. And she was reading the German version of Twilight. And... I saw how very much she loved it and was asking her like, hey, what's going on? What is it about? And she told me being like, you know, it's about this vampire dude and he comes to this high school and there's this girl and she really <laughs> likes him, but she knows he's a little bit weird. And I don't know, now he's stalking her in her apartment. I was like, count me in, can I read it with you? Like, say less. <laughs> So we literally for the rest of the book, I think I I came in, there's this one chapter that is called The Sheep and the Lion or something like that. The Lion and the Lamb. And the Lion and the Lamb. Yes, exactly. I think I started really when... She absolutely didn't know that immediately. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I definitely have the right experts on this podcast. So in that chapter, this was the first one that I actually read. And I have this very fond memory of the two of us sitting on her bed, reading the book together and then nodding to each other when we finished with the page and then going to the next page. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was really sweet. It was a really nice bonding moment. But I can clearly remember that this was way before they had even shown the casting of the first film. So I had, you know, my own characters in mind and in my version, Bella definitely did not have as droopy eyes as they, <laughs> she had in the actual movie. So I had this whole vision in my head and then I remember the first movie, I watched it in cinema, I think. And I was like a little bit weirded out because Jacob in the book, and I think this is also something that they changed so drastically in the first book. Now, upon rereading it again... I realized that Jacob is not in the first book like yeah, at all. Like he has got like two scenes where he pops up and he's like super young and he's more like, you know, like a younger brother-ish or maybe like a younger ones. cousin. Yeah, yeah. Side, like a, side characters. He is like way yeah. off in peripheral. Yeah. And I remember when I watched the movie for the first time, I, maybe I had forgotten or maybe I had not, you know, physically mm. read those pages yet when I joined in into the book and I just had that whole role of Jacob from the first movie in my head then I read it and I was like okay <laughs> definitely over dramatized I, in the I movie. guess he was there so, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so I definitely see where you're coming from, Jordan. That there is a slight discrepancy between uh, the books <laughs> and the and the movies. And now, because I said that I reread the book, and y you might actually ask yourself, like, why did I? years and years after the book series actually finished came to the idea of doing an episode about twilight so this september my husband and i went on a trip to the us and our first stop was actually in the olympic national forest in fox so we had our hotel in fox and something something about it rang a bell sort of so i knew like i know i know this i am pretty sure i know this and you know the feeling grew stronger when we actually drove into the city and they had like twilight merch shops and a big banner that said twilight festival coming up in two days or something and we were like okay <laughs> the the twilight spirit is still very big here and then i was like you know what i will just reread it again to see you know what my opinion is now and because it was so foggy and the weather was perfect how it was also described in the book and the olympic national forest it was really really great but upon rereading it i was like okay i have the feeling that i have things to discuss and i need someone to discuss it with it definitely is like i mean a lot of people have got um flaws with uh, that they point out with twilight especially in its sort of book form but it's a really atmospheric book and i do actually think that like stephanie i mean i'm who am i to criticize stephanie mayer's writing she's wrote she's sold far more books than i've ever yeah. sold um <laughs> but um one thing that she does do is is there is like a moodiness about it and i i have not reread twilight recently but i did read midnight sun when it came out mm. um at a few years ago i think it was now god that feels like a lot yeah it was in 2020 because it got released right before i went wild camping in scotland with my husband and i my one luxury i took with me camping was my kindle because it had a long enough battery and i was reading midnight sun in the tent at, at night to go to sleep and we were like camping in all these forests and stuff and it was like it was such a vibe <laughs> i was like <laughs> just like read it, it even though scotland is a far cry from that sort of thing and also we were actually camping in a lot of places where the third harry potter movie was filmed so mm. generally speaking in the day when i was walking around it was very much like i felt like i was in the prison of azkaban like movie set it was really really strong <laughs> but um at night when i was sort of like oh you know the leaves were all rustling in the background and i was like reading midnight sun and, and just going god edward's wordy um it was like <laughs> it was like yeah um it, it, it's very very atmospheric i'm very glad uh, jealous that you were uh, been to uh forks and everything though because i do think it looks in, like a, a great place to go definitely so the hotel that we had was this really really nice small family run hotel they just had like six or seven rooms or something it was so cozy and it was right in the middle of the forest so in the morning when you were having your breakfast they had this huge window and you could see outside and you had the fog and the the rain the slight drizzle and you could really feel like okay there's a vampire going by like at the treetops somewhere in the background <laughs> <laughs> Ruby's on Airbnb right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember the first time when I told my husband, like, I think this is where they, like, where Twilight is set. And he was like, yeah, I actually knew about that. There was the option to go into the Twilight themed hotel here, but uh, I thought maybe, you know, you would like something else. And I was like, okay, you robbed me of the opportunity to sleep 
below a poster of the vampires. Oh no. Your husband was actually thinking, just like, yeah, I was really hoping you wouldn't remember that. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, that is my, that has been one of my bucket lists since the movie came out and I saw Forks to go there because it's yeah all the vibes and then because you can actually stay so the house that's the swan's house it's an airbnb and so you can actually stay there but they they book out like so fast because they they release like a year in advance and then they release like Mm. on that day and then if you don't it gets booked like at midnight so it's like but yeah no it's freaking beautiful there i would love I love. Oh, that just brings me to the blue filter of Twilight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, like, oh, that is a whole other movie argument that I'm not even gonna go into. Because, look, a lot of people think that the blue that the blue filter should have gone all the way into Breaking Dawn until like she opened her eyes. Which, okay, you know what? I'm gonna go. We're gonna go into rabbit holes. We don't need to go there. I'm gonna dig myself out. I'm gonna dig myself out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I love it when they do the side-by-side comparisons of what the scenes would look like without the blue filter, and they are right. It does look more ridiculous without the blue filter somehow. Yeah. Like it looks, it looks sillier. For a really long time, I had this weird conspiracy theory about, and it's not really a conspiracy theory, but she obviously lives in Phoenix, Arizona, doesn't she? At the beginning of the book, mm-hmm. and then she yeah. moves to Forks, yeah. and obviously, um, the Phoenix in Harry Potter is called Forks, but is spelled differently. Yeah. And Ooh, I had yeah. this whole like thing in my head where i was like that can't be a coincidence it's somehow linked it's absolutely not of course i I was i was a strange child (laughs) but jordan honestly this was the like bridge that i had built in my head back in my twilight phase to remember the two (laughs) and that that is probably why i still sort of like in the back of my brain i had a connection for how the city is actually called it is a beautiful area. It is so beautiful. And honestly, I think La Poche, the, the beach, is so underrated. I remember we were doing this incredibly big hike during one day. And the national forest was so beautiful. It was so great. And we came back and we were really, really tired. Like, so tired. And we really contemplated should we go to the beach? Even if it's just for like five minutes, is it really worth it? We don't know. But then FOMO kicked and we thought, okay, now we're here. Now let's see how the beach looks like. And actually, together with Cannon Beach, this is one of the beautiful, most beautiful beaches that we've been to on the West Coast. It is so incredibly beautiful. It's even maybe a little bit more beautiful than Cannon Beach, which is, you know, a high praise (laughs) from my mouth because I really, really love Cannon Beach. So even though maybe some listeners might not be Twilight enthusiasts or might have been in the past but are not anymore, totally fine. But definitely a travel recommendation. Go there. It's so beautiful. If you want to have a lot of sun, not the ideal place. But if you want to have a moody environment and have a great beach, definitely recommend going there. So the English books came out in 2006. I looked that up. And so I was 12 when they originally came out. And I read them in 2008. So I so in 2008 I was 14. 
So like prime <laughs> vampire romance age, great, great receptive <laughs> person for that. But then, then when, when you read it a little later, but you then again are a little bit younger than me. How old were you approximately? Maybe also in that age range, 12 to 14? So if it came out in 2006, I would have been seven years old um, and it would have been maybe not, not above my not prime maybe, age maybe not above <laughs> no. my reading level but definitely above the content level I should have been allowed to read and um, that probably might um, my yeah my brain was very squishy it was probably a good thing that I didn't read it that young um but um I yeah if I read it in I read it in 2010 2011-ish so I would have been about 12 or 13 actually probably it was 2011 2012 so I was probably uh, yeah 12 or 13 in secondary school uh, so yeah also fairly ripe for um vampire werewolf phase of paranormal um romance that came out during that particular era I think so I was doing look m me and math are not friends so when I was trying to like calculate like how old I was I was like mm. um I was 11 years old when it came out I'm pretty sure 11 and then I was 15, 14 or 15 when I read them. So yes, we were all pretty good prime, <laughs> prime age <laughs> to be hooked by this. Yeah, we were primed to be hooked and not to be so annoyed by the toxicness of the relationship yet. <laughs> That probably came a little bit later. Not educated enough to see the signs. Yes. <laughs> yes. Seriously, I know. I need to I need to reread it. Yeah, it's been a while since I've actually like read the books. Oh, that gets watched at least five times a year, like all the way through. But reading, I definitely want to reread it. <laughs> I think I do, it's also the sort of time period as well, because in the sort of not like, you know, 2000s, I do think awareness around healthy relationships and misogyny and equality were all, they were all very much their infancy. They weren't um, mature discussions at the time. And there was a lot of... Um, There was a lot of problematic stuff around and I definitely think like a lot of, I, I don't know, I probably could have been successful no matter what because I mean it's kind of what I would term as like, well it probably, I don't think, it's like a cult classic type thing and there are some things that are going to go on to be immense successes regardless of anything really. Um, but I do think we all said obviously we were kind of like the right audience and I do think the fact that the series was aimed at and marketed towards a group of people who would not have been educated enough to or or not have been aware of the issues that might have been raised with it and also the, the wider world wasn't I do think maybe that might have. because when you uh, find something when you're quite young it gets like a lot of nostalgia and it's quite hard to I mean we've seen yeah. that with lots of series but I mean I don't know what you're referring to <laughs> <laughs> yeah we won't go there um but I I think I don't know I think with big things like this especially like twilight and a lot of other fandoms i think once something has become as big as something like this a lot of the time it gets handed over to the fans it's kind of doesn't belong to the creator anymore it belongs to mm. the fans and what they choose to do with it and perpetuate with it which is why like i mean um there's so many sort of online communities around it and they all kind of take what they want from it maybe for better or for worse but yeah it gets a life of its own doesn't it <laughs>
Definitely. So what cultural significance did Twilight have when you read it back at the time? Um, in, in your peer groups, for yourself, for the country, maybe even? Uh, I don't know. Where did you want to start? <laughs> cultural reset was what Twilight gave us. <laughs> A cultural reset. Um, no, I mean, so I... Okay, so... I think especially with the movies, I mean, we bring ourselves back to like Hot Topic, just having <laughs> sections. I had like a Twilight shirt, jacket, keychains, all the things, posters. Oh, no. I would, you know, it's sad to admit that at the beginning I was Team Jacob, so I had a Team Jacob poster. I was I also think, Team Jacob. Yeah, I think also I was, like, <laughs> I was like, these these people over here are tall, dark, and handsome, and these people over here are pasty and mysterious and watch you sleep at night. I don't know. Maybe, also maybe we go cold. Like, I, literally, <laughs> I hate the cold, so I was like, no. Like, no. Um, no, so I, I saw, whenever I re was reading all the books, my mom... It's like the biggest bookworm of anybody ever that I will ever meet. And so she like is from when I can remember when I was younger, she probably could finish like five books a week. Like she just, she read night and day. So um, whenever I was reading the Twilight series, I think I got to Eclipse and I was like, mom, you need to read this. She's faster than me. So she goes through and I'm like at the beginning of Breaking Dawn and she finishes Breaking Dawn. She's like, yo, <laughs> she's like, yo. So her and I went and saw every movie at the midnight premiere together. And so Ooh. that is just like, we have this like mom daughter bonding thing with Twilight because we went to all the movies at midnight together. They were, it was amazing. And so, yeah, no, it is just cultural reset <laughs> it's just I think it's also it was the first kind of book at least like series that I read that at least that I can remember that was kind of that just like significance of like fantasy with like a human falling in love with like a vampire or something else like that and it just I don't know it did the whole thing and then of course like being that age where you're like where's my vampire like where's my werewolf like that cringy like all that going on but Like now, it kind of revived because like, okay, so on Facebook, there's this group that's called Twilight Shitposting. And when I tell you, it, the name really lives out. <laughs> like, just believe what it says. <laughs> because it is just, I mean, I joined it, I think it was back in 2020. And there was only like, I want to say it was like in the upwards of close to like 100,000 people were on it, which like for a big Facebook group of that like topic or something, there's could be like more now it's at like it's between like 600 to 700,000 people in this Facebook group that just post the most out of pocket memes about Twilight but we also do have like some discussions I have Jordan join it because there she are did, did recruit me yes I did I did recruit I recruited my sister-in-law I recruited <laughs> I recruited a few people but it's just there's also like some good discussions about like okay like you know some canon thing that you can think about with what if this happened differently in twilight and everyone's like that's amazing we also agree now that it's not really um edward and jacob it's more carlisle and charlie um because we've all grown up into, <laughs> into <laughs> <tall> women now <laughs> 
And so, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It really is silly too. And you kind of like rewatch like some of the movies and you're just like, oh, and we all, you all kind of just like agree. There are those moments that are just like, hold, like, hold on tight spider monkey. Like really that came out of his mouth. So we oh, all just come just... to agreements on those ridiculous things and like Renesmee's existence, but <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I, um, Literally, so Alex quoted the hold on tight spider monkey to freak me out the other day because I did not know he knew enough about Twilight to be able to quote it that specifically. And I was convinced you were somehow involved with that, Ruby, because I, I, <laughs> I, I thought there was no way he pulled that himself. I, to, to do, it was in context of our son. I won't go into it, but anyway. Um, yeah, cultural significance. It, it was huge in the UK as well. Um, because I think the UK at that time was kind of going through a phase where we were absorbing a lot more American media than we were previously and obviously with the movies especially that made it quite big but I everyone had an opinion about Twilight when I was younger like everyone either whether they liked it or hated it there was obviously people who like felt very self-righteous in their hatred of Twilight um yeah they like they like to brag about how much they didn't like twilight or read twilight in the same way people like brag about not watching like reality tv or stuff like that um so and it was one of those um everyone had an opinion about it and it kind of was because of the time it was coming out we had a lot of like because obviously Stephanie May did not invite vampires and I would I would argue she didn't invite she didn't even invent the best kind of vampires but she um, (laughs) um, but she obviously was writing a time period when vampires werewolves paranormal especially paranormal romance was really really big so everyone I knew had an an opinion about what they thought was the best sort of vampire werewolf thing so there was people who were you know team Twilight but then there was like team vampire diaries team Mm -hmm. Buffy vampire slay that was all kind of like that sort of two decade period when people were really into all of that and um most people in my friendship group were actually also team jacob i don't know whether it's like a an age especially because a lot of them hadn't read the book so they had no reason to know that jacob makes mistakes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so they did not know the full truth of it i did and still for some reason was team jacob i think because i found edward about as interesting as dishwater until i read like <laughs> I, I read like midnight the, the leaked 13 chapters of midnight sun and i kind of got to the end of it and i was like oh i'm disappointed she hasn't released this she's she said in parentheses <laughs> i'm disappointed she hasn't released this because actually i don't i don't hate him nearly as much reading from his own perspective I can kind of understand him a bit better as a character. He's not as boring, and also I. But I, I don't know. I was never a huge fan of Bella, to be honest. I do begin to wonder why I read the books in the first place. To be honest, <laughs> the more I think about it, um, I did have characters I really liked. It just wasn't any of the main ones, apparently. Um, well, that's a huge argument too that people make in that Facebook group about how like I love Rosalie, like Rosalie's so backstory, <laughs> Alice's backstory, like all the backstories yeah. of the vampires, like like such interesting kind of stories it's like why couldn't we <laughs> get more on that or a different book on that well exactly and everyone basically if they were team twilight they obviously were would identified as like you know whether they were team edward or jacob or whatever uh i'm obviously team emmett now because like yes. he's <laughs> um but anyway um team charlie i'm not gonna lie <laughs> But the age gap was quite interesting because, like I say, me and, like, my sort of friendship group who were in it kind of all really liked, like, 
at Jacob. But all of my teachers had opinions as well. So we had a substitute teacher called um, Mrs. I want to say Mrs. Cleaver. And she had the Cullens as her desktop background. So when her laptop was connected to the big screen projector, she had the movie poster with just the Cullens on it. And she was like diehard Edward fan. And then um, I did um, GCSE art and I drew a portrait of Taylor Lautner from Twilight as part of my GCSE art project. And um, my art teacher said it was very good, but it would have been better if it was Edward. That was literally her official feedback. Back on my work <laughs> because no. she was because she was team Edward and then on the complete flip side of this my absolute all time favorite English teacher hated Twilight with a passion <laughs> and she she but she loved Buffy the Vampire Slayer and she loved Spike which I have now come to realize that her opinion is the correct one because Spike is an ace I re- I, I watched Buffy with my um, uh, best friend and she. Um, she loves Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and I, I, re- I do really like Spike. It's, it's, it's not that's another TV show with its problems, but um, he just is, yeah, very funny. But she hated Twilight so much, she printed out the first, well, she scanned the first chapter of Breaking Dawn for our English class, and she gave it to us all, and we had to critique whether it was good or bad writing. And I was one of the only people in the room who recognized it immediately for what it was, which was obviously <laughs> the first chapter of Twilight Breaking Dawn. Um, and she basically had a bunch of, yeah, like 14 year olds critique Stephanie Mayer's writing. Oh. She oh. she thought, it, she said it was bad. She even said there was like gram, spe, spelling and grammatical errors in it, as well as some <laughs> other stuff. So yeah, it was, even our teachers had opinions that they felt like they could share with their students about Twilight and yeah we had the posters we didn't really have Hot Topic over here but we had HMV which had all the posters and t-shirts and stuff like that so yeah actually like now that you mentioned the thing about the teachers I think probably like in Germany it was a big thing as well I would guess not quite as much of a craze like in the UK or the US. But of course, you know, looking back, it's hard to compare the two, but just from a personal feeling. However, in my school class specifically, it was very significant, especially among the girls, because there was this group forming of my best friend and me who actually read the book and then like four, five, six other girls who have never read the book but watched the first film. (laughs) So they really loved the casting and even my teacher, our German teacher of of them all, (laughs) chimed in into that whole craze because that was the time when we started to do a lot of like own writing projects like as homework and in order for us to have an incentive of handing in that homework of like self-written stories and stuff like that she gave out prizes in the form of books and one of the prizes was the first and the second book in German of Twilight so I remember that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish my teachers gave out <laughs> was books. It, I it, 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 was, it was a big prize back in the day. And I remember specifically that 
I had already read the first one, so I got the second volume. And another girl who really, really loved the movie but had not read the book yet, she got the first one. And then they, you know, we handed them around within the group. So that was also very nice. But yeah, it was really, really funny also how the two people who actually read the book, my friend and me, we were okay involved in the thing. Like we liked it, but we we did not have like such a strong opinion on are we team Jacob or are we team Edward? I remember that I, I sort of like the romance, but deep down I could feel that something is off. So I did not commit like my entire heart to it. But the girls who really went into the film as a first contact, they they were really like not saying hardliners, but they really felt it deeply I, within themselves. I would put large amounts of money on basically the phenomenon around Jacob being mainly to do with the fact that Taylor Lautner was cast as him because yeah. Taylor Lautner yeah. is Taylor 100%. Lautner is Taylor Lautner. So like, I, and I have one hundred percent agree with that. <laughs> yeah, that's probably why I was. Yeah. Ta- yeah, Taylor Lawton is like the main reason that people. I think people get gave Jacob more of a thing because I mean, I uh, was thinking when I was reflecting on it, I was like, oh, I wonder why all of my teachers were so like diehard Edward fans, and I, I was like, oh, it's because they were adults, so they knew that what you really wanted in in a partner was someone who was going to pay your bills um, and just <laughs> do the really boring stuff. You don't want the excited. Nah, you just want someone who pays the bills and shows up, <laughs> and that's basically Edward's entire vibe. I remember because in the way how I experienced this whole phenomenon, so I first read the first book, really, really liked it, even upon rereading it, of course, you know, now almost being like a 30-year-old woman, having quite a lot of experience with my current uh, relationship, which is my husband. You look back at that and you're like, okay, there is definitely something toxic going on in the relationship. (laughs) However, there are some moments when you read that and you're like, yeah, 14-year-old me, you know, that's a really sweet scene, even even now. Or what just happened was really sweet. So my 14-year-old self would have really, really loved it. I see that totally. I know that back then I had a feeling. Now I definitely know that some things are maybe a little bit questionable. (laughs) But... Yeah, so the book in itself really can stand for for its own. Then we had the movie where I felt a little bit off with the casting. Honestly, though, like if you have a character like Edward Cullen who is described to be like peak hotness to attract human prey, oh dear, whoever <laughs> they could have casted they would have lost because you can't cast someone in the age range of 30 or above because, you know, then they are like fully developed as a man, mm-hmm. so to yeah. say, but they are too old. So you need someone in that weird age range where it's still, you know, you can believe that this is a 17, 18, 19 year old boy. So who are you going to cast? So I really, really strongly believe. There's that one actor who never looks like he ages and sometimes looks like he ages backwards. He's in like the (laughs) Nanny McPhee films. Um, I don't know his name. I feel like I'm going to have to Google his name. Uh, But I do get what you mean. And in my head, Robert Pattinson was always Cedric Diggory. So I literally could not take him seriously as Edward like at all because like he... He was Cedric Diggory in my mind and I literally could not, I could never get that out of my head when I was watching it. And he doesn't look like he's described in the books. So he, yeah. 
The thing is also in the movies, I don't know how you experienced that, but when I read it, of course, they describe, you know, the auburn hair and the very pale skin. But in the movies, they really, really overdid the pale skin. And I remember, because I'm fairly pale myself and by my grandparents and their friends, they were always like, oh, the poor child, you know, she, she needs a, a little bit of rose around her cheeks. I hope she's not too cold or something. And then you watch him in the movie and you're like, damn, you don't look healthy, man. <laughs> What's going on? This, oh. this is not an attractive, you know, pale you. This is something is not right <laughs> i so i had a birthday meal when i turned 18 um it was not related to twilight in any way except my dad was at it and my friend brought her partner at the time and he's very very pale and um, but he's got really dark hair and um my my dad didn't know who he was and after the meal he he sort of called me up and he was like oh who was that that lad who was sat at the end of the table you know edward cullen <laughs> and i was like hey. I, I laughed so hard because I'd never ever associated these two people, but I'm like, what, where, where have you got that from? And um, he was just like, oh, because he's so pale. Um, and it literally just never left my head. I still, I'm... <laughs> I mean, for, for me, that definitely was a reason why I felt that I was more Team Jacob. Because I read the second book in parallel to sort of seeing the first movie. So in the second book, you know, you have that thing where Edward is leaving Bella behind and she's moping the entire time like, oh, he's gone. I was like, screw him, what's going on? And then you have Taylor Lautner versus this guy who like looks like he's a little bit sick. <laughs> and I was like, okay, apparently oh. if I I need to choose if if you know the people in my class need me to choose that I will be team Jacob of course now looking back that's questionable as well but I had my reasons the, the, the Robert Pattinson stands are gonna be coming after you after <laughs> yeah yeah it's hey I, even, I think I can live even Robert that. even Robert makes fun of it though he does he makes they all <laughs> make fun of it that's that's the thing yeah. all of the actors from Twilight actively make fun of Twilight <laughs> They just know, yeah, the first one, they all just kind of look a mess with like the over paleness and all of that. And then like the monstrosity of Kristen Stewart's wig and Eclipse. I, it just literally like someone had compared it to, it was like Jacob's wig in the first movie. That was and a I, wig. <laughs> and it's just so true. It literally looks just like it, but yeah, no, that, that, but you know what? In Breaking Dawn, everyone looks great. Everyone looks fantastic. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Especially that that change from her being very, very sick due to Renesme oh. and then having her glow up. <laughs> You're like, okay. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah that like they sickly had the budget. They had the budget for the last two. Yeah. Oh no. If we're gonna talk about Ren <laughs> we're gonna talk about Renesme and Renesme and budgets. Okay, so, so we need to talk about it for a second because I mentioned that in Fox there are actually those merch shops. Oh, and no. I did not go I did not go like inside, but of course I needed to stalk them on like Google Maps to see what pictures people took inside. And there is some funny uh, Renesmee merch. I mean, of course we know that in parts of the movie she 
looks really weird, like from proportions and, and everything. We don't want to go too deeply in that. But from that, you know, weird proportion version of her, there are keychains available. So there must be a market out there for people who super love that one specific version of Renesmee. And you're like, okay, <laughs> you do you. <laughs> the whole plot line was unnecessary. Oh, it really was. <laughs> like you're telling me that, that you're... Are we so I are we okay with talking about like what's actually happened like in this series like because I feel like people have had their time okay I'm like yeah. that is my thing I'm like you're telling me you're trying to tell me that Jacob's feelings for Bella were really because of an egg because of an egg that he was supposed no don't even talk to me don't even talk to like if they would have just and I said this on Jordan's podcast with our night's episode with it if they would have just like Jacob gone away and been boohoo sad like at the end of Breaking Dawn or something like 20 years the, and the, came the, the back, time period is important saw Renesmee and was like oh okay yeah there it is um that would have been great I would have I would have ate that up but you're trying to tell me I just <laughs> I'm, just, I'm taking my glasses off and stressed out <laughs> Um, I think a lot of the plot point, and this isn't just a, the Jacob plot point. I think a lot of plot, uh, a lot of the plot lines in Twilight. It's the same as any media, really. It suffers for the fact that we develop words and language to talk about things as time goes on that we didn't have at the time. So, I mean, when I went through my very judgmental late teens phase, I liked to um, very sort of smugly tell people that if they liked Twilight, it meant that they, um, uh, you know, supported abusive relationships because that's basically what Bella and, Bella and Edward had. Now, as an adult, I understand that that relationship wasn't necessarily abusive, though it did have hallmarks of it. It was more codependent um which is yeah. different um also not healthy and slightly toxic but you know codependent and not necessarily super healthy in a lot of ways and you know the thing is with jacob is like you know people talk about grooming and things like that and there's a lot of really not very nice discussion and i mean one of the things that we talked about on my podcast when ruby came on was um i mean there's a lot of racism issues that just never actually get picked up because there's so much other stuff going on there. A lot of people kind of skip yeah. over the fact that the tribe that Jacob's like tribe is based on is a real tribe that basically mm -hmm. gets yeah. sort of completely wiped over. Like no one even acknowledges that it, they're based on a real people and they kind of almost like well not almost like that she basically just, you know, completely twisted um a genuine yeah group of native americans people yeah like, she like, pretty much like, exploited them and then like they made nothing from twilight not even just that yeah. she also kind of added this really unpleasant you know yeah child element into mm -hmm. it that she just it was just there was a lot of like mess there and then <laughs> ruby was the one who pointed out jasper's um <laughs> pro problematic backstory to me that's because it completely skipped me back <laughs> well and i mean probably because like i'm <laughs> from the south you know so i really when i see a confederate I, I see, and they're not hard to, not hard because they usually have a bumper sticker or some flag flying in their truck anyways but but yeah no that was like a huge thing too and, and it's like talked about in the facebook group too that it's just kind of like really just like skimmed over that he was a confederate soldier and a proud one too like he talks about how proud he was with like being a confederate soldier and it's like oh Stephanie, we should have done just a little quick Google, just a really quick Google of like why that's probably a bad idea. 
Yeah, maybe maybe an an a shamed. Yeah, maybe not a not proud. Conf- yeah, that just. Yeah, but at le- yeah, if he would have just been like, oh, yeah, you know, me and my battle scars or whatever else. Like I, <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, like not proud of it. I don't know. But he was just not proud of like the what he did to like become a vampire or like what he did when he like first became one. I'm like, no, no, no. You should let's like switch that. Be not let's- proud of the other stuff. <laughs> yeah, let's like let's talk about when you were a human. <laughs> But it's fine. Alice straightened it out. It's fine. (laughs) I mean, now rereading the first book, there was one thing, because actually, so for everyone, I did not mention this specifically at the beginning, but I will link the episode in the show notes. So Ruby was on Jordan's podcast, actually the very, very first episode. I will link that. And there, there is a section where they also talk about Twilight. And I sort of listened to your episode while I was still listening to the audiobook again for Twilight and there is this one scene that I think they never like mentioned too much in the movies but they what they write in in the books is that they have like no real recollection of what their Mm-hmm. of what the experience was like as a human there might be like some glimpses or when they had a very strong feeling it might carry over into that sort of afterlife but they don't like really remember everything that was going on so if you want to extend a hand to jasper you mm-hmm. could be like he does not remember everything he just has he knows okay there is a positive feeling attached to whatever i did without mm-hmm. knowing the full impact of what he did that is true but then you know, I'm I'm being very generous here. I totally get all of the all of the skepticism around his backstory, and I fully support it. So he's had redemption. I'm just saying, fine. he's had redemption. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So one question that I also um, prompted Ruby and Jordan with was because you know we read Twilight at a let's say earlier stage in our reading life and maybe we reread it or we read a later installment in this series now just a couple of years ago but of course you know people grow up and sometimes when you're an adult because adulting can suck from time to time it's nice to revisit something that reminds you of your childhood without necessarily being like okay I no need to reread Twilight so I asked them is there a book that you would recommend to someone who liked Twilight growing up and now as an adult. (laughs) Yes, there is a series that I've recommended to Ruby and my selling point to her was this is Twilight if it was set in the 19th century New Orleans. (laughs) And it's the... she's not lying. (laughs) (laughs) It's the beautiful series by Rennie D. Um, There is now four books out in that series, or there will be four books. So they're still behind. (laughs) So there's three out, definitely, and then I'm pretty sure I've got. I'm going to get the fourth one when it comes out. Um, it does go a little bit wider than Twilight in terms of folklore. So they've got. It starts with just vampires, kind of like Twilight, and then it introduces werewolves, sort of in the second installment, like Twilight. But then it kind of also brings in fae and fair folk as mm-hmm. the sort of other contingents of it. Yes, Ruby has got her copy, and um, I made her buy, and um, it. <laughs> It's, it's but I find that it's it's got less of some of the it, because it was written in it was written a few years ago or the series started a few years ago so it's got less of the problematic elements of Twilight but also I find the different setting is like is similar in that it's got an atmosphere to it it's like 
the descriptions of food are amazing it's like say set in new orleans it's got a really interesting main female protagonist um and it's just yeah i i really really love that series i really rate that series i can't wait until the fourth one comes out the third book is actually probably my favorite and it's got absolutely nothing to do with the vampire werewolf plot lines but i really <laughs> love i really love the characters that they focus on for the third book um but the fourth one comes out but there are god i mean i know ruby has got it. i feel like i know what ruby's gonna recommend um because she's been trying to get me to read it um <laughs> <laughs> But that that would be my recommendation. There are a lot of books that look like Twilight. I'm sure you'll all agree. You've seen them. The ones that have the similar-ish font and the similar-ish yeah. kind of cover aesthetic. I, okay. I kind of have two. But, like, the second one is just because, um, yeah, okay, we'll get there. Okay, <laughs> yes. So the first one was short answer the one that's probably what she's thinking about. Okay. So it's called the Crave series <laughs> and mm-hmm. it, so my sister-in-law actually got me into it and I'm still, there's, Oh, I have it covered up right now. Um, I think there's like five books right now. Like the fifth one just came out and I'm on the third one still because look, another book came into my life and I just, <laughs> it took me for a whirlwind and yes, I cheated on the Crave series and read another one, but it's fine. We'll get there. So no. So it is, it's like modern. It's kind of like modern day, like twilight. Cause they actually kind of like bring up twilight in the book. Um, and so it's, <laughs> I'm, like trying to... <laughs> I'm horrible with like, if anyone ever spoils anything for me, they're dead to me. Um, I don't, I am huge with a spoiling thing. So I'm trying to say like things that I'm like, like wouldn't, <laughs> I'm very careful with spoilers. Um, but it's pretty much just like modern day. Like it's kind of like, it's high school-esque. Um, like just think like paranormal creature, high school-esque kind of thing. But also there's a lot of like cool, like it, it's, yeah. Um, it's really good. It's it's not as like cheesy as like I'm describing it. Um, this is like a horrible selling of this book, but it's really good. Um, and yeah, so there's like huge yeah. like twisty thing that happens too that still hasn't sat right with me. And it's I think that's what's making it me take so long um, to like keep reading because I'm just I'm just mad. I'm angry. I'm angry. So this so there's the Crave series. Um, very good. Um, and then there's another one right now. So I don't, I don't think there's vampires in it. Um, at least from not the first one I read, but fourth wing. Yes. Everyone probably has heard about fourth wing yeah. by now, but everyone freaking read it. It is mm-hmm. literally my favorite book of ever now. And I got iron flame whenever it came out last week and I haven't started reading it. I'm hoping to start today, but yes, fourth wing, everyone there's dragons. They're very different to Twilight, but people who like Twilight also like this. It's like an Amazon cart. It's like, oh, people yes, who exactly. this also bought this. Because <laughs> it's like still like a fantasy and there's a good, there's a good romance in there. Nice. Ooh, good. We love this beginning. So. <laughs> so when I was at Frankfurt Book Fair a couple of weeks ago, I actually stood in line to buy like a special like German edition of Fourth Wing. Ooh. And I met a couple of lovely people in the queue. 
<laughs> it was a really nice experience, even though we were queuing for like one and a half hours <laughs> to get no. it. But I have not read it yet, but I think now this is really the calling that I should. And I also have not read The Beautiful by Renée Adier. I love her writing style. I have read her other books, but I have laid off from that series now. So this this also convinced me now to read it also in the darker months so of the good. year. So good. <laughs> Now, it's really fun that you both like pick series or books that we definitely know will turn into series at some point because like I have, I, I really thought about it and because ever since Twilight, I have not read too many things that have actual vampires in them. The last one that I read is Dracula by Bram Stoker. So like the, <laughs> I read that the OG, the OG. And actually, I think if you like Twilight and you you like the vampire-ness mm -hmm. of it, I th still think that definitely you can get something out of Dracula. Like, of course you have the vampires, you have those like dark and eerie vibes that you also have in Twilight. And you have a love story that is not involving the vampire, actually. Like, going in, I always thought that there is a romance with the vampire, but it's not happening. And I was really happy that the romance is not happening with the creepy-ass vampire, but, you know, with the... With, with the good person. With, with John and Mina. Yeah, so, yeah. so they were, like, deeply good people who were fighting for the good in humanity, who had their romance, and then there was this, like, weird vampire threat going on. So this is definitely something that I recommend. Then the next one that I thought about does not have anything to do with vampires, at least not as far as I know. I just read the first book yet in the series, but it's more of the supernaturalness of it because it's the diviners by Libba Bray in that entire series so it's like set in the 1920s you have a female protagonist who comes new into this city and you know she she gets to know new people and she's thrust into that whole mystery of paranormalness and murders going on so it's like a very different vibe but there's also a romance story and if you generally enjoy paranormalness in a way I think you would really really like it it's also like leaning more into the yeah like more horror-y part of the paranormalness so if that's a twist that developed through your teenage years ever since you read the Twilight series this is definitely something to check out and the last thing so I was like okay I have two this is definitely enough for the podcast, but maybe something else comes to my mind. And I scroll through my Goodreads, and this might be an edgy choice, but Wuthering Heights by Emily Bronte. Oh, <laughs> because we have a toxic romance. <laughs> we'll have a toxic so romance when you are <laughs> when you are Twilight Land. We have two suitors who sort of fight for one woman. <laughs> And the woman is moping a lot and it is dark and rainy all the time. <laughs> Wuthering Heights is the most miserable book I've ever had the misfortune to read. It's awful. I, oh, I, yeah. I mean, if people want to... Some people love it. Some people absolutely love it. I don't think I'm one of those people. Um, oh, gosh, I can't believe I was party to a Wuthering Heights recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> So the thing is about Wuthering Heights, actually with this, I strongly recommend to watch the film as well. Because the first, I, I never read Wuthering Heights when I was in school. And I saw the, a classmate of mine, I was there 
in the proximity of her when she was watching the movie because Wuthering Heights was part of her like the final A-levels exams when she needed to do a presentation and the presentation was about Wuthering Heights for her to actually go that deep into the story. But she watched the film. The film was disturbing in a way but also funny to look at it because it was so disturbing in a way and like i said it's raining a lot it's very dark the person is moping all the time and they make very weird choices in the film but it, it's yeah but, but, but it is like sort of funny to look at because it's yeah. so moody and then i read the the book i think two or three years ago and actually like i had looking back at it i have the same bells that go up in my head like they did with Twilight with the toxicness and the eerie weather and <laughs> the two suitors sort of fighting for that one woman so I was like yeah this is definitely an edgy choice because I think a lot of people who really loved that in their teenage years now grew up to like something different mm -hmm. but then like Jordan said there definitely is a market for Wuthering Heights so <laughs> people I don't know I I would love to speak to someone. If someone out there loves Wuthering Heights and it's like one of their favorite classic novels of all time, if you would like to drop me a message and explain to me why you like it, I would really be interested to hear the answer. Um, because I don't get it, basically, is the summary is of that. I do actually have one more recommendation uh, for people who liked Twilight, if, if, I could, if I could squeeze another one in. Um, and it's actually another Stephanie Mayer book. So The Host by Stephanie Mayer. Uh, yes. So yeah. I read that after I read Twilight because I had seen it in my school library and I thought, oh, I know her, I'll read it. And I think it is much, much better than Twilight. I think Stephanie Mayer, in terms of her, her personal writing, her own, you know, groups of, uh, her own sort of backlog of books, I think she is a mature writer in it and I like the story. I think it's a bit more, she, it's something quite unique, something that she's obviously come up with herself. I mean, I don't think it's unique in the pantheon of sort of supernatural, it's got aliens in it and I, it, it, but so it's very different to like vampires and werewolves, but she was kind of writing outside of what was really trendy when she wrote mm -hmm. that, whereas Twilight was very much on trend when she published it. Um, do not watch the film. The film is awful. I mean, I love Terrible. Saoirse Ronan. I love Saoirse Ronan so much. She is the most wonderful actress um, and she's great in everything she's in and she's even good in that, but it's a bad film um, and I feel really bad for it. But uh, basically, yes, I, I do recommend The Host because um, I think it's really good. I really like the romance plot. There's like a love triangle and it's actually a true love triangle and all that sort of stuff. Well, I think so. Um, it's more like a, a love square. It's complicated and I can't explain it without ruining the plot of the book. Uh, but basically it's it's really interesting book and it, it it I really enjoyed it and I remember reading it inside my school um and being a really intense parts and sort of telling my friends to shut up and leave me alone because I was in the middle of reading this particular chapter of the book. So yes, it's um if you do like Stephanie Mayo's writing, I think it's a good graduation point if you want to read more see i was gonna do like a funny recommendation <laughs> because i was gonna be like um totally if y'all like twilight you should read 50 shades of gray um because it's based but, on twilight. but it's that's why because it's based on it's based on that so but that was just me being funny don't do that don't read 50 shades of gray <laughs> i i have not read 50 shades of gray and have no plans to <laughs> 
Yeah, I just, uh, I, I actually never read that as well. I watched the movies, but yeah. <laughs> oh, the movies are, I, I, so I read the series, you know, but, but <laughs> the books are, or the movies are terrible. Like the books, I mean, I'm not proud that I read the books. I just read them because I was like, oh, trend. <laughs> but, <laughs> and it's not really like that. That's not like really my cup of tea when it comes to books. So, um, yeah. <laughs> I once was stood in a supermarket aisle looking at the books and um, I had a woman come up to me and ask if I was looking for recommendations. And I was kind of like, well, I mean, what do you recommend? I wasn't, but I was like, what do you recommend? And she recommended Fifty Shades of Grey to me. And I kind of just looked at her and I I, I was like, I have so many judgments at the moment. I was kind of like, you shouldn't. But I was like, I was like, oh, that's okay. My mum owns them all anyway. It's fine. I'd just borrow hers if I wanted to read them. <laughs> Yeah. It's it's definitely a bold choice for a supermarket <laughs> aisle. I mean, <laughs> my my only memory attached because I actually heard passages of Fifty Shades of Grey, and that's because someone on my school trip to Germany, we went to Berlin with school, and uh, one of the girls in my class brought it with her to read on the trip to sc the school oh. trip, and she read passages out loud on the. Um, on the the underground on public transport in Germany, <laughs> um, out loud to to people in our class, and we had teachers on this this trip and everything. And they're sitting there listening, like, okay, next page. <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was by far because I was not part of the group that was actively listening, but I was also near them, and it was public transport. And there's not really a lot you can do to get away from it, and I was kind of like. No, it could never be me. I suppose Fifty Shades of Grey for if, if you're up for a laugh is the last recommendation. <laughs> I think up for a laugh is a very good segue also into the next section of what I thought about what we could include in our Twilight session. Because I said that I read the German version. And actually the first time when I saw the English version, I was like, I think this is one of the first times where Germany did good with the cover. <laughs> Where I'm not like, okay, from the first moment on, I'm disappointed by what Germany did cover cover design-wise. So I put together a little presentation. I will, of course, link it also in the show notes for everyone who wants to take a look. I will also quickly pop it in the chat. Because I made a comparison of the different book covers across the saga and how they look very differently for UK and US and then for Germany. And I will go into my reasons on why the German cover, they, they really, you know, put a lot of thought into that. But maybe Jordan and Ruby, maybe you can give your first thoughts on how they how they look to you, what you would what you like about each of them, what maybe you dislike. And yeah, then we can go through the entire through the entire series one by one. Because at least for the UK and US covers, the the, the topic what is shown actually differs quite intensely. <laughs> yeah, so the German covers are very representative of what I've come to expect from German covers in, in books. I think that there's a very, there's a house style in German publishing and they do quite like, I don't know, I've never been a big fan of covers with um, pictures of people. So for people who haven't got it in front of them, the German cover has got... Um, I'm gonna assume it's supposed to be Bella on the front. Yeah. Um, but just sort of from like the nose down, I imagine to focus on the fact that it's a vampire book and therefore she might get her neck bit. Um, I just, 
I don't like book series. I don't like covers that have got people on the front of them. I just, I don't know why. I don't either. <laughs> I do. the same way. <laughs> um, yeah, and the Twilight covers are an interesting one because I actually don't mind the black and white and red covers that they use for all the UK, US ones. I do really like, they've done white covers where they've, they've inverted it, haven't they? Yes. I do quite like the white versions they've done as well. Um, but I don't know, I think they're both probably very much of their time in terms of what, what publishing was doing with book covers at the time. What do you reckon, Ruby? These these covers really just, they make it look like Twilight was written in like the 1700s. I'm really digging <laughs> that. Like, this is a classic. <laughs> like, like, this is next to, like, this was written in the Pride and Prejudice times, like Jane Austen and Stephanie Martin. <laughs> no, I mean, like, yeah, I don't know why. I've never really been like a huge fan of like people on book covers too. I don't know why. I just like that's kind of weird. Like since Jordan's saying it, I was like, you know, I don't either. And I just don't know why. Yeah, no, I mean, I love the Twilight covers. <laughs> don't know. <laughs> that's that's totally fine. I mean, it is funny though because both Twilight and a certain Wizarding series that Jordan and I have talked about before on this podcast were both published in Germany by the same publisher. So I think there definitely is a certain house style, how Jordan called it, um, that you definitely see across them both. However, for the Twilight series, I mean, you know, when you are German and you see the language play that they put into the title, maybe it stands out more to one. So definitely, Ruby, I totally second your opinion that the German cover looks like it was written in the 1800s <laughs> or something. It does look classier, I will say. Yeah. Like, that's the kind of book yes. that I could have like taken to my English class with a straight face and been like, yes, this is <laughs> oh, yeah. seri serious literature that I'm reading, yeah. whereas it's kind of hard to make that argument with the uh, American cover. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I also don't know whether you see it that well in the picture, but you had those like iridescent like flower pattern yeah, that was going pattern. across it. So yeah. that was really nice as well. And then regarding the title, you so it, in German it's called Bis zum Morgengrauen. And you see that the second S has a slightly different color. And that is because if you say Bis, it is a time reference. So until something. But if you add an extra S, it means bite, to bite, or ah. the bite. So they really thought about how can we translate Twilight, which is, you know, not really hinting at anything, really, in this series. How can we translate that into a German title that actually has some sort of reference? And actually... In Germany, we don't really call it the Twilight series, but it, for us, it's the Biss series. <laughs> that's that's so. I mean, that literally is so German because literally you've managed to like because there's like different layers of meaning with stuff and like Twilight. Ultimately, if you didn't really know it was about vampires, I suppose maybe the cover kind of hints at it because it's someone. But I don't know necessarily that you would when it first came out you would get that. But obviously, they've they've made it much more obvious with it which is that's really it's very clever it is very clever you are right they've they've done a good job with that that's something yeah. very impressed i'm seriously like this is my new favorite like twilight fact or something like be like do you know on the german translation of the title that is so that is really clever Oh, please, please put it into the Facebook group and tell me, send me screenshots of what people reply to that. You know what? I'm going to. That is so cool. You definitely like, 
send me like a description kind of of just like the best way of like the translation of what you said because I don't want to butcher anything because I'm sure there are people from Germany in the group and they'll be like um you silly American let me just correct you <laughs> yes I definitely will so I mean you said that you don't really like having people on the cover and yet again very very often I feel the same With the first, like I actually really, really love the first cover of the Twilight series because you can just see her from the nose down. It does not really show her entire face. Unfortunately, when we go to the next slide, when it comes to New Moon, we see her in full and I mean, we keep the same, we keep the same style-ish, but we have a different picture of her and this is also like where it's losing it's not yet losing me it's losing me at the third installment but we are going into the direction where i start to get lost <laughs> yeah a bit more full-on with these ones i mean it's probably worth noting that the um the american uk covers the covers have absolutely not a single thing to do with really the plot of the i would argue I, there's very little correlation between <laughs> what goes on and on the front of the covers and what's actually inside i wanted to ask about that because if we move to the third one for eclipse i i'm not too sure about the about the timeline here so maybe you need to correct me but i always viewed that as because you know we have bella getting married and you know moving into that phase where at some point she will be a vampire and that this is sort of showing how the thread tying her to humanity starts to break but this is literally me reading a lot into the I, I think you're giving the cover designers a lot of credit <laughs> with that one I think they just thought it looked cool um. <laughs> but I stand behind it I stand behind that <laughs> But this is the only cover where I could, you know, with a lot of thought going into it, see something there. With the with the hands and the apple, with the flower, and also with the chess pieces, I'm a little bit lost. So I, I don't know if you have any ideas on that. The chess pieces, my only thought is like, oh, the, the, the one on the front is the white queen. And obviously she becomes a vampire in that book. Mm. And therefore, you know, mm. the paleness, she's sort of reached true form. Because like when you take a pawn to the opposite side of the chessboard, it can then become a queen if it reaches the, the back um and like you know humans are you know pawns and vampires and all that sort of thing and vampires are there and the queen is the most powerful thingy on the board so i feel like they're kind of going with a ah oh, she's sort of reached her final formation but that's the that's the most i can do apart from that i yeah it doesn't make a lot of sense although i know the movies have tried to incorporate the book covers in to all of the movies which was something they didn't have to do it was nice of them i suppose and i mean i just said that the third one in german is losing me a bit and that's purely because of the color scheme yeah because suddenly we turn from this like grayish green maybe blue then in the second installment and then we suddenly have red it makes sense from a title perspective because abendrot is sort of like when the sky turns red when it's the evening so it makes sense from there but i think it stands out so crazily when you compare it to the others i don't know I think she's asleep in all of these because Edward spends so much time watching her sleep. I don't know. She's got her eyes closed in all of the German covers. <laughs> yeah. It's like a butterfly thing going on with the third one. Yeah. Like she's, it's got butterfly. Is that, I don't know, because 
Oh, because I don't know, she's in a cocoon and she's developing. I don't know what this is. <laughs> wow, okay. I, I, I never thought about that, but uh, yeah, no. why not? I mean, I, mean, the, I mean, the fourth one is then we are back to the like grayish, bluish, uh, more earthy tones. And here it looks like she's a little bit underwater. <laughs> So we we have lost a bit the aesthetic of the of the flowers that uh, you know are sort of overlaying. I, I can definitely tell you there is this overlay of something going on on all of yeah. the covers. So we and the thought what we have the butterflies and I think here we we still have a pattern but it looks more like a water ripple on her skin mm. rather than anything else. I actually so, really like the last yeah. one. I think the last one's my favorite of the four German covers. I actually I don't know it like being reborn because she's being you know <laughs> vampire being reborn <laughs> this one to me kind of looks like you know when you get cover you get copies of shakespeare plays to study at school mm-hmm. yeah. uh, this looks like one of those photos they would put on the front of like a shakespeare play <laughs> um Yes. to to and it's got no relation to the story really or it's quite hard to see what it is but um yeah no i i actually think that for the the breaking door and the german cover for breaking door is probably my favorite of the four german covers um i would have been interested to see what the spine design was on these uh, on these nothing special the front cover sort of tied into the thing so it's nothing nothing that stands out in any way with a crazy color or something like that i brought out brought down all my books um before we started recording (laughs) for what purpose i don't know but for my original copies Oh, did you get Midnight Sun in Germany? Poor. Good question. Let me Google that because I was not on the hype train back then anymore. <laughs> I read it and I think I may have returned it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually haven't. I've only read a few of the first chapters. I actually haven't finished it. I've read ah. so many books. I'm so yeah. I'm so disgraceful. He's he's super wordy. Like I don't know. It's yeah. Is <laughs> what's the cover like? Um, it actually looks like the English cover now. Ah, let the me... pomegranate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Pomegranate. Let me let me pop, let me pop it in the chat really quick. There, it, I even found a picture that also has a Funko Pop of Edward next to it, so it's very fitting. Oh, oh, yeah. it's like oh, it's like a matte black with like I mm-hmm. actually, I like that though. Yeah, in Germany we love the matte black. It's horrible, like for upkeep purposes in your bookshelf to make it still yeah. look nice after you fingered it the entire time. But that is uh, literally yeah. that's with the the beautiful. <laughs> it's it's matte, and so like my freaking like fingerprints are like all over. It. I so I when I have a hardback book, if I read it, I take the dust jacket off while I'm reading it because I don't trust myself to keep it in good condition. So I take the dust jacket off and I store it, and then I read it naked like whilst it's thingy and then I put it back on and then put it back on the shelf. Yeah, I started that. That is a that. good point. And I think for they I I think they might have done it for Midnight Sun. However, in Germany, especially for for Carlsen who is the publisher for that all of the hardcover books, they do not have a dust jacket. Like it's directly yeah. printed onto the cardboards. You can't ah. take anything off. If you blemish the outer side, it's there forever. Oh dear. <laughs> yeah. 
And like the last thing that I want to mention on the German covers, because I, I never really thought about that, of course, with this and with this, I knew it before. But when I put together this presentation, I noticed something that I think will make your Facebook group crazy, Ruby. And that is when it comes to the title. So when we go from twilight to new moon to eclipse and then to breaking dawn, we go from the evening to the like sort of morning-ish, right? So we start when night falls and then we go until morning. Twilight. So from twilight to breaking dawn. If we're talking about one night when there is a new moon. Yeah. Yes. But also yes. possibly. Yeah, it's a real weird yeah. solar month that they're having in, in Twilight. <laughs> it could be yes. seen as a cycle from the evening to the next morning. In Germany, they reversed it. So the first book is Bis zum Morgengrauen and Morgengrauen is the dawn. So you wake up in the morning, Bella is still a human. Then we go to Bis zur Mittagsstunde, which is noon actually then we go in when we have eclipse we have abendrot which is you know the the red that shines through when the evening comes and then we have it's directly translated to until the end of night so this is really where she changes into a vampire and becomes a creature of the night <laughs> I actually think they're better titles. Maybe the German publishers should have like written Stephanie a letter and then like, have you make it make it make sense? <laughs> have you considered dropping all this moon nonsense and just doing times of day? <laughs> that's in that's that's interesting though. Especially because moons are really more tied to werewolves and she's literally going through, like, where, vampires are just always vampires, whereas werewolves are the ones that are tied to the moons. Yeah, we're poking all kinds of holes in, in this Twilight nonsense. I feel like it, it, it's not going to last. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really found this so interesting because there was literally no reason. Like, they did not need to change it. You could have technically taken the exact same cycle, but apparently someone back in the day thought, ah, I guess ah, at some point she is going to change. Let's make it start from the morning on. Now, <laughs> I, I feel like someone in publishing knew she was going to change and said, you know, our German audience, they're sensible people and they're not going to stomach this nonsense that they've managed to get the Americans and the British to put up with. We're going to make sure it makes sense. <laughs> um, so they're just like, we're going to make the titles better and they're going to like it. <laughs> You give us very much credit, Jordan. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. So, I, I mean, this is a hard question. It's totally fine if you say that you don't really have an opinion on that. But looking at the two, do you like what do you think has the technically like covers that you like more? Knowing, of course, that you have quite strong nostalgic feelings to the UK and US covers. <laughs> Ruby. <laughs> <laughs> I think <laughs> here's a bust. I'm just going to throw you under it. I know. I mean, the nostalgia of the yeah. of the US covers. I just truly, I truly do love. I mean, they don't necessarily make all the sense in the world. You really have to like dig deep in there. Like, I think Breaking Dawn makes the most sense to me, and then like your description with Eclipse with the Perfect. I stand behind all of that. But yeah, no, I think I think the original, like the US, it's came, covered. <laughs> but I love the classiness. 
of y'all's covers and like how it makes it look like a classic. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give my, you know, I'll like have some professional like book binder, take the German covers, put them on like the English version. So then when I give it to my children, I'll be like, you yeah, know, it's fine. I'll be like this, like, this is a classic and your teachers will <laughs> accept this as a classic for you to read. That, that'll be Penguin Classics versions of <laughs> Twilight by the time. Oh God. Oh God. I can't. Oh, I feel old. <laughs> Uh, okay, so I would say, objectively looking at all eight covers, I actually do think that the German version of the Breaking Dawn cover is actually probably my favourite of the whole eight. But as an overall series, in terms of the continuity, I do like that the, unlike many series these days, the UK and American covers for Twilight were incredibly consistent and stuck with what they were doing, unlike other series, like, you know, any Sarah J Maas series and, and others <laughs> yeah. who just can't seem to just pick a design and stick with it um so i do kind of like the consistency even though they don't make a whole ton of sense i do think the breaking dawn covers of all of them i think for both the uk and the german ones i think they're the, the best ones probably um in my opinion that they're, they're the ones i like the most um <laughs> but yeah that's that's probably that's probably where i fall on it that's that's totally understandable honestly like I think for me it's like the the first cover of course you know because of the nostalgia and uh, reading it with my friend actually upon putting together the presentation I saw that apparently there's an alternative German cover where it's white like you don't have any people on it but you have sort of like a stencil formed embossed pattern on it and then it says the bis zum Morgengrauen and all of the other titles mm-hmm. I will need to see whether I I find me I, I will probably find that it. sounds interesting I do think the white covers that they've come up for the anniversary ones are quite nice and a lot of the old series are getting good anniversary covers like um Hunger Games just got a really nice set of like anniversary editions over in the mm. UK which are I would argue probably nicer than the originals but I do think it was a bit of a rough time for cover design back then because I don't think I mean I don't think um like Hunger Games or any of those series actually necessarily got um very good oh that's really pretty oh and it has a little blood drop Mm -hmm. yeah i I like those everything's in german i'm overwhelmed (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) sorry yeah i I directed her to a very well-known u.s retailer not only for books but the german version so she's very overwhelmed by the website (laughs) i was like oh i'm just gonna assume the the buttons are (laughs) i'm clicking the right thing yeah, I um to be fair, I I have some of my web pages are are set to German by default. I'm not entirely sure how they did that to themselves, but basically I'm kind of used to that happening now. So sometimes I won't even realize yet and then I until I try to do something that I've not done before where I don't recognize the buttons as easily and then I'll realize it's not in English and then have to change the website. But yeah. Like my my Zen Actually, my Zencaster is always in German. I'm like, why are you in German Zencaster? Go back to English. <laughs> Actually, like now looking at the website, I say I see something very interesting because in past episodes with Jordan, I talked about German book covers very often advertising when something is like a Spiegel bestseller, which is basically yes. like the New York Times bestseller. So we really love our stickers. Apparently, this also goes beyond the physical book buying realm. It also goes into the online book buying because literally where you usually just have the basic description of the book 
we have this <laughs> morning round. So Twilight, Bella and Edward, number one. And then two dots. And then it says that it was awarded the Young Adult Book Prize in Germany for 2006 and then was again nominated for the Youth Literature Prize in 2007 in the category Prize for Young Adult. So all of that is just in the first headline because apparently it's a very, very important piece of information that you need to give to German customers. <laughs> I love how it's, but yeah, the, the title is Bella und Edward Eins. It's like, <laughs> it's just like, just in case you weren't familiar with this very little known series, it's, a, it's the Bella and Edward one. It's the first one. <laughs> I, I love the, okay, I really love these covers because seeing the other ones like for New Moon and the, I think Eclipse is my favorite. Because it's like all red and then it has like a little moon. Yeah. They are nice. I will, They're very nice. Yeah. I, like I, will, I will link them. I will link them as well <laughs> in, in, in the presentation. I will make new slides for all of the alternative versions that we are now covering. Because I see when I scroll down, apparently there is also a German version of those English white covers that you talked about. So we, by now, like you said, it is like a little classic now. We have so many different versions of those covers, even in Germany. Crazy. So good. <laughs> so amazing. <laughs> Okay, so uh, we, I, I would say we meet again in like uh, 20 years to find out whether Ruby actually gave her children Twilight as yeah. a classic to read. And what we think in 20 years of how it is holding up. We can all review the remake they're inevitably going to do. And, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. I'll, I'll fight everybody. I will fight. Every Just like what they're trying <laughs> to do with Harry Potter and like redoing. Mm. Like, I don't. I just... I will sue. I'll fight. So angry she punched a mic. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking with my hands. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I don't know. I I mean, I hope to God one day, like, you know, there's, there's, there's certain things that, like, you hope to show your kids one day, but you're going to be, like, sitting there just looking at them, like, hoping that they like it. Because, like, what if, <laughs> what if I show my kids one day? But I don't, I'm wearing a Lord of the Rings sweatshirt. What if I show my kids Lord of the Rings one day and they're like, Mom, this is boring. I'm going to have to, adoption, you're, you're, you're done. Like, you're done. Out. Get out. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? Like, they have to like everything that I like. Or what are we going to talk about? What are we, we going to do? <laughs> So yeah, I hope my future daughter, I won't make my future son. Hey, if he wants to watch Twilight, we'll watch it. I'll watch it, but I, I won't force him to watch it. I am daughter. I better introduce my son to Twilight. <laughs> it can be very educational though. You could be like, watch this and do it like that. You watch this, this is not good, do it like that. <laughs> or we'll be going on like a family vacation to like Forks for some reason. I'll be like, here, let me show you what Forks <laughs> Of course, it's like we just watch all the Twilight movies. <laughs> we are now entering holy ground. <laughs> so oh dear! Oh yeah, I had so much fun during this episode. I laughed so hard. I mean, yes, people will not be able to see the actual videos of us recording it, but it was so fun to see everyone's reactions. <laughs> <laughs> to this partly yes very questionable series but deep down there was a time when we all loved it and i think it's even though as an adult sometimes you look back and you're like oh why did i but when it is uniting people across the globe like so many of the other things that we watched in our childhood i find that very very nice and i also think that this is 
you know, when we look into the future, there are a lot of things when you're like, oh, I don't know, climate change, war, whatever is going on right now in the world. A lot of things can take you down, but knowing that at some point there will yet again for our children and the children after there will be a series that will go global and they come together from different parts of the world and unite in their love for that that really makes me very happy so thank you so much and thank you ruby for being on this podcast episode today with me maybe is there is anything that you would like to plug maybe the books to last podcast or anything else that you would like our listeners to check out <laughs> Yeah, so you can. Uh, I had you have a podcast as well. It's uh, the Books Last podcast, which people who have heard episodes with me and Marika before will know. Marika has been on it, as has Ruby. Uh, and on it, guests pick the five books they would take with them when cast away to a mystery remote location. Twilight has been selected by multiple people. Um, it has been discussed by multiple people on the podcast. It is always uh, interesting when that crops up. Not as much as Pride and Prejudice, but it has been picked. Um, along with very, very many other books. And so it's a great place for recommendations, even if I do say so myself. And you can find that where all podcasts are found. Uh, yeah, Books to Last podcast. And you can follow it at Books to Last pod on Instagram. You can also follow on X, but I, I'm not on there, so... <laughs> <laughs> for for reasons that we will not go into too much in this episode I, I, I can't believe I called it X this is me listening to the news too much <laughs> that took me a second you said X Twitter. and I was like what is X <laughs> I spend too much time listening to the news that's what it is because they all they all say it now I think they should call it the, the social media platform formerly known as Twitter um, I think that's what they yeah. should <laughs> I think that's what they should call it I feel like it's like Mean Girls where it's like stop trying to make X happen it's yes, not it's going to happen <laughs> it's not <laughs> going to happen I bet someone's made that meme about Elon Musk that should that absolutely should be. okay anyway but yes anyway Books Last Podcast that's that's me um <laughs> Um, I'm just, I'm just Ruby. Um, yeah, <laughs> I do have, there is a podcast that I have with two of my friends called Murder Moses. Um, you can listen to that anywhere. We kind of went on a break for a while, so not sure we won't pick up again, but if you like true crime, go listen to that. We talk about true crime. <laughs> <laughs> I will make sure to link that in the show notes. Thank you so much for being on this episode. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. And until next time, I hope that we discover the words on our shelves and in our hearts. Bye. 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 <laughs>